Hey, this is voice actor Cassandra Lee Morris. Welcome to Now You See Me. I've voiced hundreds of characters for anime, video games, and animation, and I realize people know a lot about the characters I play, but very little about the real me. So, I started this podcast to pull back the curtain on my life, share more about myself, and what I've gone through. Along the way, I'll be interviewing guests, some well-known and others behind the scenes, to dig into their lives and find out what they've overcome to achieve their artistic goals. I hope this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to live your best creative life. Together, we'll all learn that there's more to someone than the stories they tell. Hey, everyone. This is Cassandra Lee Morris. I'm a voice actor who is most well-known for voicing hundreds of characters at this point for video games, anime, and animation. If you want to see the full list of my projects, you can check out my IMDb page. I've also traveled all over the world, appearing at anime conventions and Comic-Cons, doing meet-and-greets. So if I've met you on the road at some point, welcome back to my space. People always ask me how I became a voice actor. And the story is much longer and more in-depth than I've ever really addressed. And part of the reason I started this podcast is that I wanted to share a little more about me and my life. Because there's a lot that you don't know and that I've never shared publicly. But that I feel like is really important in understanding my journey and knowing how I got to where I am today. I hope that it will help you understand me a little more, maybe inspire you, maybe help you, who knows. But before we begin, just a few things. If you find value in this episode, if you get something out of it, if you enjoyed listening to it, please consider donating to show your support. This podcast is fully self-funded by me, from the recording and editing to the graphic design to the distribution platform, and every little bit helps. There is a link down below in the show notes where you can send a donation in any amount at all. I truly, truly appreciate it and would love to continue to make more episodes with your support. And just a content warning for today. This episode talks about depression and disordered eating. So if you're not in a headspace to hear that today, please just turn this off and listen to something else. Your mental health is really important, and I want everybody to feel safe when they're listening to this. So let's get into it. I was born and raised in Connecticut, about an hour outside of New York City. Now I live in Los Angeles, and I love going back to visit Connecticut, especially in the summer, lobster rolls. The fall, the leaves are so beautiful, and in the winter, it feels like a Hallmark movie, for real. Spring, not really my favorite in New England, kind of cold, wet, and rainy. (laughs) Anyway, I started performing at a really young age. I did local theater, and I took dance, tap, ballet, jazz. That was kind of my life. My family was really into sailing, so we would sail during the summers on the Long Island Sound. I really miss that. have not been sailing in way too long. Looking back, it was a very beautiful and safe place to grow up. But as I entered middle and high school, I was pretty bored with my surroundings because, as I mentioned, I was really more into performing arts. I didn't really fit in with the overall culture of my town, which was kind of like an Abercrombie and Fitch ad. Everybody, it felt like, was just very into being preppy and playing sports. 
I've actually never been on a sports team in my life, so I kind of felt pretty disconnected from most everybody. I, I did have friends, but just the overall culture I just felt kind of disconnect from. As I mentioned, New York City was about an hour away, and that's where I wanted to be. And luckily, my parents would take me into the city a lot to see Broadway shows, to visit, go to museums, and then eventually to take acting classes. I just loved New York so much. Everything about it, the fast pace, the arts, the culture, I just knew that's where I wanted to be, and that's where I was going to feel like I belonged. When I was about 12, that's when I started my professional acting career, and I know that sounds crazy, But in the entertainment business, people do not bat an eye when I say that. It's actually pretty normalized. But looking back, I realize how young that was, especially when I see somebody who's 12 now. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And in retrospect, I actually missed out on a lot of being a kid stuff by starting a career so young. In a lot of ways, it has benefited me because clearly I still am an actor. So... (laughs) It definitely helped to start so young, but, you know, it was a double-edged sword. As I mentioned, I started acting class in New York. I got headshots. I got a manager. I started going on auditions after school. Sometimes I'd get pulled out of school early to make an audition or do an acting job. Then, instead of doing school theater, club, sports parties, hangouts, whatever it is kids normally do, I was pretty much working after school. I felt like I had a full-time career, and I took that pretty seriously. So this continued throughout high school, and it took me a while to start booking work. I would get a lot of callbacks, and I did some really small voiceover roles, some small theater things. I was working for a video production company, kind of learning the ropes of being on set and being a professional actor, but I really didn't book my first big job until I was 16. That's when I did an indie movie called Double Parked, which aired on Showtime, and I think it won some festival awards. And anyway, I was so excited because I got to play a drug-dealing raver, and this was just the total opposite of who I was. So it was just really, really fun to step into her shoes. Her name was Didana. That whole experience was wild. I still have a lot of the wardrobe from it. I kept it all. After that, I started booking more on-camera commercials, like for TJ Maxx and a restaurant called Perkins. I booked more radio spots, some print ads. Things started to pick up for me. The funny thing about being on a set with a lot of adults was they would talk to me like I was an adult, and I saw how hard it was for some of them to make a living. Like, they would literally talk about this with me, which in retrospect is so funny because as an adult now, I would never open up to a teenager in this way, like unload my problems on them. But... I don't know, on set, everyone is just kind of assumed to be an adult, I guess. Anyway, I have read Jeanette McCurdy's book. I have followed what has happened to a lot of the Disney and Nickelodeon stars, and I will say nothing that drastic happened to me, but there were still some weird moments. For example, one man who was playing my father actually told me all about how he was having an affair with his teenage daughter's friend and how his daughter didn't know. And he just kept telling me it was okay because she's 19. I do not know what was going through this man's mind. Even at the time, I was like, what the hell is he thinking? This is totally inappropriate. I think I was like 17 when he was telling me this. Anyway, my point is, after interacting with all these people, I kind of came to the conclusion that it would be really difficult to quote-unquote make it as an actor, as an adult full-time. So I went to college, NYU, and I decided to study journalism, thinking that was a safer career. I pretty much wanted to write for teen and women's magazines, but uh, we know how that turned out. It did not happen. (laughs) 
But I will say I am so thankful for my time at NYU. I wish I could go back. Higher education to me was more about learning how to think, not necessarily what to think or about a certain skill. And I really believe that college is more what you make of it. So my college experience actually shaped me into who I am today. And I really wouldn't have been able to navigate or accomplish a lot of the business side of what I do without that experience and that education. I'm just grateful that I was able to get such a good education like that. In college, I still had my agent and was auditioning, but I didn't really book a ton of roles. I did some commercial work here and there, but I was really more focused on going to class and, of course, experiencing New York, going out, soaking up the culture. Like I said, it's where I always wanted to be. And it was just totally different than visiting New York after school. Also, there was a lot going on with my family at home at that time. It was actually completely falling apart in a very volatile way. And even though I was living away from them for most of the year, it was really affecting me mentally. Even though I was technically an adult in the sense that I was over 18, I think I was mentally immature a little bit. I I was a late bloomer. I think this is a side effect of looking so young. People always assumed that I was younger than I was, and so people would treat me like I was a younger person. As you can hear now, I sound pretty young, so that just kind of translated to that kind of experience. And I was always auditioning for and playing younger roles, so my peers in acting, they were all younger than me. Also, I wasn't exactly independent and supporting myself like an adult yet. You know, I was in college. I was living in a dorm was not paying for rent, bills, or anything like that. I didn't have a clue what cost of living was yet, especially in New York. Anyway, I wasn't able to fully show up for acting like I previously had because I had so much else taking up space. So uh, let's get into that. During college, my dad started having an affair. I'm not sure exactly when it started, but it was really shocking. Things became really volatile and hostile. There was a lot of fighting, a lot of meanness and nastiness, a lot of gaslighting, a lot of really bizarre, selfish behavior. And this was not something that he came out and told us. This was something that my mom discovered and then had to confront him and us with. And it was just overall a really difficult situation for all of us. You know, I hear some people talk about how their parents divorced amicably, Mine did not, and it really affected me. Even though I wasn't living in the house for the school year, I was home during the summers, and I would come home on some weekends, and it was jarring because my family, which up until then had been pretty stable and steady and status quo, it all of a sudden became very unstable, and it felt unsafe. It was a total 180, and it was like the rug had been pulled out from under me overnight. I just couldn't believe that, you know, my dad was acting this way. And it felt like a betrayal. And actually later, a therapist that I went to described it as like a bomb going off and said that I actually had PTSD from it. That's how much it affected me. To find out that my dad had been lying and sneaking around behind my back and my mom's back and my brother's back was just really shocking. On top of that, I had no power in the situation. Nobody was listening to me or addressing the situation or stopping to think how this might affect me or my brother. It actually took me a long time to trust people after that and... 
It really, unfortunately, shaped a lot of my future romantic relationships and the way I viewed them and what I accepted as okay within them. Maybe someday I'll get into that, but that's for another time. Anyway, that was pretty much what I was dealing with in the background of college during the summer's home from college. So even though I still had my agent and I was still auditioning, I wasn't booking at the same rate that I had been. And I think that's totally understandable. When I graduated... NYU and moved home with my mom, that's when my mental health really took a dive. I didn't have any sort of job lined up. I wasn't making any money acting at all. I was auditioning a lot, but that is not paid. New York is notoriously expensive, and there was just no way I could get an apartment, even one with roommates. So this was the beginning of what would become a really, really rough time in my life. Basically, all of my Connecticut friends had moved away, and they had found jobs in cool cities like DC, and my New York friends were pretty much still in New York doing cool things, and I felt like I was just stuck behind. I had no idea what I really wanted to do with my life. I felt like if I got a job, I would have to quit acting, but acting wasn't really going anywhere at the time, so I felt like I had to get a job. I had this all-or-nothing mentality with what I loved, which was acting, and that was not serving me at all. Anyway, like I mentioned, my family was still a mess because this divorce and the repercussions from it just dragged on for years and years and years. So I just felt totally alone. I didn't really feel like I had any sort of emotional support system. And after graduating, I felt like this should be the start of my life. I should be doing great things. And I just wasn't. I've always had the mentality of being a high achiever, and I was brought up to think that your career and your job was the ultimate measure of success. That's not how I think at all now. I think totally differently. So to not have anything going on and moving back home, it just really made me feel like a failure. And in retrospect, I really wish someone had taught me how to just be kind to myself and go easy on myself and to be compassionate towards everything I was going through because it was a lot. But at that point in my life, it would have been like speaking a foreign language to me. I did end up getting a job at a production company in Connecticut, but at that point I was severely, severely depressed. I was being extremely mean to myself. Like the negative self-talk was out of control. I was putting too much pressure on myself. I would just blame myself for anything and everything. And it got to the point where I couldn't even eat anything. I was so depressed that I just literally couldn't feed myself. I couldn't really take care of myself. So I ended up losing way too much weight and it was pretty clear to other people that something was wrong and something was going on. But everybody assumed it was the wrong thing. So everyone assumed I was, like, calorie counting and trying to be skinny and restricting food on purpose when, in actuality, I was just very depressed and I would try to eat and I couldn't and it was just this weird disconnect in my brain. Anyway, my mom helped me find a therapist and make an appointment with them because it just got, it got really, really bad. I remember that day really clearly. And honestly, just the act of being able to make an appointment, it made me feel like it was going to be okay. Even though I wasn't feeling okay in that moment, I felt like there was help and somebody cared about me. For the first time in a long time, I had hope that there would be a day when I would potentially feel okay again. And I felt like there was a light at the end of the tunnel. 
And it was just nice to feel like there were people who cared if I was going to be okay. My therapist was actually awesome, and I credit him with saving my life 100%. I'm lucky that the first one I met with, I clicked with, and I don't know where I would be without him today. I think I saw him for about a year steadily and then sporadically for the next few years, but the things I learned from him then I still carry with me now. So therapists doing God's work, seriously. I also took Zoloft for a few months during this time, and that also helped in the short term. It kind of helped me get over the sad hump and out of the rut, and it helped me to just take care of myself and be able to focus on healing and just kind of digging through my brain and just sorting stuff out. And then when I felt like I had a better handle on myself and I felt steady enough to continue to take care of myself and focus on healing, then I went off of Zoloft, and I haven't taken any antidepressants since. That's what worked for me and my healing journey. I also started horseback riding again during this time, which I also credit with completely pulling me out of a dark place. Hobbies are so, so important to have. I hadn't ridden in years, but just having the barn to go to and being able to ride and spend time with the horses and the girls at the barn, it really just gave me something else to focus on and look forward to and be strong for and just something to take my mind off of everything that had been weighing me down. Also, just being outside and being in nature, going on trail rides, being out in the sun, breathing fresh air, that all really, really helped a lot. So this was about a year of my life. And during this time, I barely did any auditioning or acting at all. I basically quit. I think I did one voiceover job. But as for really devoting myself to it, auditioning, taking classes, networking, etc., I just couldn't do it. There was too much else going on, and I really couldn't take on anything else. And I just want to underline and highlight this for you guys. It is okay to take a break to take care of yourself, and you can take as much time as you need. Because if I had stayed in that headspace, I'm not sure I would be here. I would not be able to act the way I do today if I hadn't dealt with everything that I was going through at the time. I would definitely not have this career if I hadn't sorted out all of that. And please know that it's never, never too late to get help for yourself. You never have too much going on. You never have too many responsibilities to take a step back and just deal with what you need to. And I will say that now, today, my relationship with my parents is very different. And they've actually apologized to me about how they handled themselves during that time in my life. And I think if they could go back, they would do things differently. So not holding a grudge here. I just want to give you guys some background about stuff that I had to go through and overcome to be a successful actor. Anyway, I'm happy to say that after about a year, I started to feel okay again. I still had some bad days here and there, but it wasn't all consuming like it once was. I saved up a bunch of money and I moved back to New York, which, as I mentioned, was the place where I'd always felt the most like me so I was able to get back in the environment that I loved, and I started living the life that I wanted to live. And that's when things really started to happen for me, voice acting-wise. That's when I started working on Yu-Gi-Oh!, which in retrospect kind of led me to where I am today. So we'll get into my life in New York, getting into anime, and my eventual move to L.A., and whether luck had anything to do with it in the next episode.
Thank you so much for listening to Now You See Me. If you found value in this episode, please consider donating to the podcast to show your support. This podcast is fully self-funded from the studio rental to recording to the editing to the graphic design to the distribution platform. All of that costs money and every little bit helps. So there is a link down below in the show notes where you can send a donation in any amount at all. And like I said, anything really helps. Also, please follow, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review with your feedback. It really, really helps out me and the pod, especially as we are just getting started. Thank you so much for being here and for your support. Music by Steve Chevy. For collaborations or ad requests, email booking.cassandraleemorris at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.